Hello and welcome to the Intelligence Download, a podcast from BAE Systems. I'm your host, Ben Tudor. I'm joined today uh, by two distinguished gentlemen from the world of insurance. Um, we're in the Gates Hotel in Barcelona for an event that uh, Dennis is going to explain a little bit about. But um, we've got Matthew Smith, uh, who is currently Director of Government Affairs and General Counsel at the Coalition Against Insurance Fraud in Washington, D.C., and Dennis Toomey, uh, who's our Head of Insurance Products at BA Systems. Welcome to you both. Thanks. Thank you, Ben. It's good to be here. I appreciate the opportunity. Oh, fantastic. Um, Matthew, perhaps you'd like to um, uh, briefly explain your organization's role um, in tackling insurance fraud. This is the first of a series of podcasts from this event, so we'll let you go first. Certainly, and, and I'm honored to be uh, the leadoff uh, for such an exciting event, and thank you and thank Dennis and BAE Systems for having the vision to put on this first ever uh, International Insurance Fraud Crime Summit. And the coalition is very proud to be a part of that. Uh, if you'd like to know a little bit about our history, we are very unique in that when I talk in the states about insurance and insurance fraud, and when I'm speaking with whether it's members of Congress, state representatives, leaders of insurance across the United States, what I always say is the last thing at least our country needs or needed is another insurance organization. We have far, far too many of those in the states. So the Coalition Against Insurance Fraud does not define itself as an insurance organization. Mm -hmm. We look at insurance fraud, insurance fraud crime and its impact as being a consumer issue. Yes, we do have insurance carriers. Almost every leading insurance carrier in America is a member of the Coalition Against Insurance Fraud. But our roots go back to being a consumer advocacy organization. And when I talk about our roots, we're entering now our 27th year. The coalition was founded in 1993. And for those who are familiar with American insurance markets, two very interesting groups came together. The insurance industry, through what was then called the, the American Insurance Association, and the Consumer Federation of America. Now, to use a U.S. colloquialism, in our country, those two types of organizations do not play nicely on the playground with each other. <laughs> Historically, they had not gotten along. But in 1993, they united and came together and said, the one thing we can agree on is protecting American citizens from the crime of insurance fraud. So Ben, that's the root of the coalition. It was started in 1993. Since then, it has grown to more than 200 member organizations. So some of those organizations include groups that will be present here today, the National Association of Insurance Commissioners, which represents the regulators across the United States in making regulations about US insurance markets. Also, the two leading groups of insurance legislators, our elected officials dealing with insurance matters in the United States, the National Council of Insurance Legislators and the National Conference of State Legislatures Insurance Task Force are also members of the coalition. We also have prosecuting attorneys in our nation. We have attorneys general from the states that are members. And as I mentioned, virtually every leading insurance group and organization along with the major carriers. So we come together and we do advocacy and outreach. We do legislative and government affairs work, which is what I do. 
and we are engaging American citizens and now worldwide citizens on all types of social media platforms to educate them about insurance fraud and to be a deterrence to wanting to participate in any of type of frauds or schemes that may be out there. So that's a little overview of, of who we are and what we've been up to for about the last more than, more than a quarter century. Crikey. And uh, from the 1st of January, your job title changes, I understand, as well. Well, we are saying goodbye uh, later this year to our first and only executive director, Dennis Jay. When the coalition was formed in 1993, the leaders very wisely uh, picked Dennis, and over a quarter century, uh, he took what was nothing and built it into the internationally recognized coalition against insurance fraud that exists today. So I'm not certain when uh, your listeners will be listening to this, but we'll be gathering in Washington, D.C. at a very interesting place called the International Spy Museum okay. on the evening of December 16th to have a banquet honoring him and his decision uh, to retire after being an excellent leader of the coalition. Fantastic. And from one Dennis to another, yeah. Dennis Toomey. I can't see why you invited him. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. This this organization has probably had the biggest impact of our insurance industry in North America, uh, around the world. I mean, the stuff that this small group of four to six people throughout the 27 years have done amazing things with um, helping us create fraud laws, fraud bureaus, research. Their insurancefraud.org website is uh, a common place for most insurers or people researching insurance fraud to go to. The public awareness campaigns that you guys have done is really um, set the precedent across the world on you know how to educate consumers about insurance fraud and that it's not a victimless crime. It's a crime against uh, the consumers themselves. So really glad to have you, Matthew, and thank you for um, agreeing to come to Barcelona. Thank you, Dennis, and I, and I appreciate that opportunity. And you know, at least been in the United States, uh, special investigation units, or the investigation of insurance fraud, really began in our country in the 1990s. Mm -hmm. And I think the U.S. was one of the leading countries at the time, and now the rest of the world very quickly has caught up and we're on the same playing field as we see with the nations represented here at this conference of starting to now tackle a worldwide problem where originally, back in 1993 when we started, the focus was much more localized in the United States. There's a couple of things just to draw out of that um, that I think are, are really interesting. Dennis, you mentioned the size of the organization and the Coalition Against Insurance Fraud punches way above its weight, doesn't it? For sure. We try. You know, it's, it's interesting because we are a very, very small organization. Mm -hmm. uh, we are a full-time staff of four individuals. We look to grow that in the future. Mm -hmm. But it is amazing what is put out by that organization. I mentioned Dennis Jay as our executive director who has been and continues to be our leader, setting the vision, setting where we're going into the future. I also mentioned I had the opportunity to do the government affairs, working with regulators, working with legislators. But we also have other members of our team. A gentleman named Jim Quiggle runs our outreach and our public affairs. And we put out literally, uh, even around the world, what is called Fraud News Daily that comes out in the United States every morning. Uh, to all of our members, subscribers who want to receive that can also sign up through the coalition's website, insurancefraud.org, to receive that. And then we put out weekly what's called Fraud News Weekly that summarizes key legislation, key court rulings, 
key convictions all across the United States. It goes out every Friday. Then we also publish on a regular basis what's called the Journal of Insurance Fraud in America, which does more scholarly studies about insurance fraud issues and how they impact American consumers and the American insurance markets. And with that, Matthew, I think you have a great board of um, members that are um, on the board, so from different organizations like uh, carriers and other consumer organizations that help run different committees. So they do a lot of different things. So with the, the, the coalition has been very effective in doing is using the resources that are out there and the people that really want to fight fraud, like the carrier, some of the directors of insurance fraud out there, and some of the other groups that are members there. You're exactly right. And, and the, the coalition has our board of directors, and we also have our executive committee. And one of the interesting things, as I mentioned when we first started talking, is the coalition is unique from any other organization that operates, as far as I know, anywhere in the world in fighting insurance fraud, and that we do have our roots in that consumer advocacy. So as Dennis mentioned, we are blessed to have a wonderful board. We are blessed to have a wonderful executive committee. But what also makes that unique is we are the only place that I'm aware of in the United States where leading consumer advocates, where regulators, mm -hmm. where insurance fraud executives all sit around a table like we're sitting around today and consider and debate all of the cutting edge issues and how we need to keep ahead of the fraudsters and scammers. So it's a really unique opportunity for those disparate groups mm -hmm. to come together and work together in leading and guiding the Coalition Against Insurance Fraud. Excellent. So going back to the early 90s then, I suppose one of the questions I have is, you know, the, the sort of challenges that the Coalition Against Insurance Fraud faced then um, and their members faced then and, and how that's changed over time. Do you see some that are particularly unique to the United States, others that are possibly a bit more universal? Also, how's that changed over time? Well, I think the universal answer to that that you would get probably from anyone sitting in this chair mm. is lack of funding. It is always a constant struggle. And you know, the sad reality is we are in a profession, and by that I'm meaning the profession of the world of insurance, mm. that is a worldwide multi-trillion dollar industry. I think the challenge still, and it was this in 1993, it's this on the cusp of 2020, and sadly, unless we make major changes, the next generation will face the same challenge. And that is, why do we not put the necessary financial resources that we need to protect insurance consumers now around the world from insurance fraud? And we estimate, we use a very ridiculously low number. We use a number in the United States that the coalition puts out of $80 billion a year. Now, the thing about that, it's ridiculously low because it's a number we can stand behind and we can justify, but in all probability, it is just the tip of the iceberg of insurance fraud. The Federal Bureau of Investigation, the FBI, puts out numbers that are higher than we are. There have been studies done on medical fraud alone that their numbers exceed our total number. So when you look at the impact of that, when you think of what that takes out of consumers' ability to educate their children, to buy new automobiles or homes, the impact of that is tremendous. 
And one of the things I also talk about in that challenge of finances, we look at that $80 billion a year number, and at least for your US citizens that listen to this, but even worldwide, we all hear about nations like the United States operating with huge trillion dollar deficits. Well, when you think about a deficit that a country has, every year on New Year's Eve, that deficit number just rolls over. When we're talking in the United States alone of $80 billion a year, that number goes back to zero every single year. And it starts over. And we are taking money out of more and more pockets every single year to feed that $80 billion plus monster. So that's our biggest challenge. One of the other challenges that I think we face right now, interestingly, and this kind of goes to what we were talking about, the advent of really taking insurance fraud seriously in the United States and then the repercussions of doing the same around the world began in the 1990s. Companies at that point started staffing and taking seriously insurance fraud, putting executives in charge of special investigation units, developing teams to investigate that fraud. Well, where we stand at the cusp of 2020 is now those same people, like our executive director, Dennis Jay, like a gentleman named Joe Worley, who heads the National Insurance Crime Bureau, are all retiring. So what we've seen is this generation of leaders that started this profession, not only in the United States, but around the world, are now moving on. They're earning their retirement, but we have a whole new leadership group coming up behind them. So that presents challenges because those are leaders that were not there in the early days to see this fight, fought, fight against fraud develop. But the interesting thing, the opportunity that presents is they're gonna bring new skills. They're going to bring new talents and they're gonna bring new visions to fighting insurance fraud. And then finally to wrap up, you ask about also the positive, not to deal just on the negative, I started doing insurance fraud investigation work as an attorney in the United States in the mid-1980s. And I loved it from the first day I ever handled a case involving insurance fraud. But in the 1980s, if we would have thought that we would have laptops, tablets, smartphones, the internet, the ability to trace people and literally know what someone is doing 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, to build those investigation trails. We are on the cusp of the greatest opportunity that we've ever had as fraud fighters if we use these new technologies correctly. I was gonna ask you a question about generational change, and I suppose to both of you, do you see that as the biggest thing? You know, the, the ability to trace data, to trace, um, indicators of fraud throughout a variety of systems? Yeah, I wouldn't say it's the biggest um, change agent, but I think it's one of the biggest change agents. I think technology, and I think the biggest challenge with technology is using it appropriately and how to use it. And then we're, we have to go into the legal courts to see what's discoverable, what's not discoverable, um, how are the systems built, and using artificial um, technology from it. Uh, generational gap there's a big skill deficit that we're seeing out there across the globe and I think that you know the Millennials coming up are much more comfortable using their smartphones for investigations and and keeping track of everything on there and you know the older gumshoe ex-law enforcement guys you know they want to keep things on a pad of paper and write things and are a little bit resistant to change so I think the change 
change management process of introducing technology to this industry is a challenge, you know, and I think it's a challenge for pretty much every carrier out there. I think it's the most exciting time that we've yeah, ever had. I agree. Uh, I'm thrilled to be at this point in the world of insurance fraud investigation. The technology that we have today is Star Wars, Star Trek, Back to the Future, everything rolled into one, and it's a reality in 2019 and 2020. What I find even more fascinating is where are we going in the future? As we look at artificial intelligence, as we look at how insurers are going to use those new emerging technologies, and I agree with Dennis fully, I'm a big proponent of the millennial generation. I'm not of that generation. I am a late baby boomer no. and grew up in that. For those on the podcast, I do have the gray hair and the bald spot to prove that of my age. But I'm excited about the millennial generation because they're not only going to change how we investigate insurance fraud. More importantly, the millennial generation is changing the world of insurance as we look at peer-to-peer -peer insurance as we look at the entirety of the insurance transaction being done on a smart device. Mm -hmm. And that's going to open up a whole new world that we have to be prepared for about how the fraudsters and the scammers are going to use those technologies for evil intent mm -hmm. and how we're going to prepare and use those technologies to be even smarter and to be ahead of the curve in catching them. Excellent. That reminds me of a conversation I had with uh, Scott Clayton at Zurich, and I asked him about the impact of driverless cars on insurance fraud. And he said, "I really hope I'll be insured. I'll be retired by that point. I won't have to worry about it." You know, it's, there is enormous sort of capability, you know, enormous possibility when it comes to new technologies, both for good and uh, for, for bad. So um, it's very interesting to hear that. I think one sort of follow-up question to that is, you know, you talked about consumer advocacy, and you know. The, the roots of the Coalition Against Insurance Fraud in, in that particular role. And there's sometimes some concerns that this technology is being used for invasive purposes. I mean, there's an example a few years back of um, an insurer suggesting they were going to go through uh, customers' Facebook profiles, their social media profiles, to, to see whether there's you know, evidence or indicators of wrongdoing or reckless behaviour. But what we're talking about here is actually protecting those consumers, you know, the, the, the yeah, the honest to goodness average Joe and Jill who are insuring their vehicle, insuring their car and finding they have to pay a little bit more each year because somebody else is effectively gaming the system and committing fraud. The question I have really is, is around that. How do you see that consumer advocacy uh, drive going forward? You know, how important is the need to communicate the power of investigation, but also the privacy that are afforded to customers? I see that as being the primary focus and role that the Coalition Against Insurance Fraud will play for at least the next decade ahead. I'm excited about the new technologies that are there. I'm excited to see how those will change the insurance markets. But when I have the privilege and the opportunity to talk to leaders in the American insurance industry, and no doubt it will come up here internationally in our discussions over the coming days in Barcelona, the challenge that I lay down to them is we are on the cusp of all of these breakthroughs, all of this wonderful technology to investigate insurance fraud. It's like we've been given this gem that we are holding in our hand. 
But the risk we run is we screw it up. And if we don't get it right, then at least in the U.S. markets, we are going to have our insurance regulators step in. We are going to have the federal government step in. We are going to have the U.S. Congress and the state legislators all across the United States enact laws that restrict the use of these types of technologies. And most importantly, in our judicial system, we ha are going to have judges and juries that can very severely penalize insurance companies with multi-million dollars, if not billion dollar, verdicts for class action lawsuits, for civil lawsuits, for abusing the rights of consumers. So the coalition is out there, and what we are saying is members of the insurance profession, get it right. Put your consumers, your customers first. Protect them. Use this technology wisely and correctly to protect them. Don't abuse it to go after them and hurt your customers. Because if you do, then what we're going to do is we're going to take this wonderful gem that we have in our hand and we're going to crash it into a thousand pieces and we'll ruin it for at least one, if not two generations of fraud investigators to come because we didn't get it right when we had the opportunity. Okay, that pretty much answers that question. Right. Okay. Um, a couple of uh, quick-fire questions then to sort of finish up. I suppose um, the um, one of the questions really that, that that I'd like to, to deal with both of you in the room is the, the impetus and the reason for gathering everybody together at this General Insurance Fraud Summit in Barcelona. What are you both, what are your objectives for this particular event? Yeah, my objective is some international collaboration. I think it's the, like you said, Matthew, it's the natural evolution of where we are going as an industry. You know, most of our, most over the past 27 years or 30 years, we've been kind of siloed in our own countries. And we're seeing a trend from transnational organized crime groups and even just regular fraudsters with um, that don't have any jurisdictional boundaries. And they're recognizing that and they're taking advantage of that. So I want to bring the 16 countries and the more than 50 people that we have here in Barcelona together to be able to help start a process to be able to share intelligence and comply with the regulatory issues that we have and be able to identify trends around the globe. If we don't start thinking globally, then it's just going to be much more of a problem because the fraudsters are. You asked earlier about change. There are some advantages to being older and that you have the opportunity to look back and see those changes. When I started first as a very young lawyer in the United States handling insurance fraud matters, insurance fraud was local. And by local, I mean in your particular city or municipality, maybe throughout your state. Then what we started seeing was a change to, to regional, where it was in regional parts of the United States. Then very quickly, it went national. Now, with the advent of the internet and the World Wide Web, we are seeing insurance fraud that may be occurring in the middle of the United States in the Midwest, but is originating in Asia, the EU, anywhere else in the world through simply an internet connection. So what started not even a generation ago as a localized insurance fraud crime issue is now a worldwide crime issue. So I'm privileged and, and honored uh, that you at BAA Systems would include the coalition in this inaugural Insurance Fraud Crime Summit. Uh, 
The way I look at it, having been a parent of children, I, I think we're attending preschool. I think we are starting something here, thanks to BAE Systems, that is the first of its kind. It's, it's like that toddler going into preschool. In my lifetime, I won't be here to see the graduation with the PhD. But what I see this summit being, we're taking the first step. It will grow grade by grade, education by education. The people will become smarter. They will learn more. They will develop more bonds, more friendships, more working together, and then we will graduate to that day when we truly do have a worldwide system to protect consumers against insurance fraud. Thinking of examples then, um, a bit of a fiddly question I'm afraid, but what do you see, what, you know, what are you expecting to see in terms of best practice at this conference? What are the stories you're most excited about hearing from your um, fellow attendees from the, you know, your peers? Yeah, so uh, I'm really hoping to see a lot of collaboration. I'm hoping that this continues beyond this year. I hope we start developing task force or groups that work together to identify specific issues like sharing information or sharing intelligence or setting up an intelligence sharing network or you know how can we communicate trends that are happening and where they're starting to blossom and grow. And almost... Uh, you know, almost like a international coalition type thing, you know, where the consumers and the um, organizations get together and really take um, this transnational fraud thing serious. Best practices come from having good lines of communication. Good lines of communication come from trust. Trust comes from friendship. I think the goal here is to start building bonds of friendship, to build bonds of respect, to build bonds of trust. And when we do that, then we have the ability to understand the challenges, the opportunities, and the uniqueness of the various players around the globe that are fighting insurance fraud. Right now, we don't have those lines of communication open. So we don't have that friendship, that trust. Let's start the practice here of opening those doors, opening those lines of communication, trust, and friendship, and then we'll have the foundation to build those best practices that truly will guide the worldwide fight against insurance fraud. Recording? Cool. Talking nice and straight, don't turn your head. Mm-hmm. If you'd like to hear and read more on insurance fraud, go to basystems.com forward slash insurance insights. Many thanks for listening to the Intelligence Download. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes, Podbean, or your favorite podcast app.